Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When a quiet couple is brutally murdered right in their very own home. They were bound and gagged for days at a time. Billings, Montana residents fear their quiet town is turning into the Wild West. Everyone locked their doors and wondered how this happened and why. No one has a clue who did in two folks who were as gentle as lambs. These were people that never hurt anybody, never bothered anybody. Police are in for a wild ride as they try to corral a cagey killer. I've done homicide cases in the past, but this one was going to take some work. And just when lawmen think they're closing in, a third person is killed in cold blood, way too close to home. Kind of had a hunch who did this, but now we got to prove it. How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? The western town of Billings, Montana, is nicknamed the star of Big Sky Country. And it's easy to see why. Standing tall amidst the wide-open spaces, the state's biggest city tips its hat to Old West traditions and modern marvels. Well, this is the greatest spot in the world to live. Downtown, we have culture, we have museums, we have art, and you can drive 20 miles and uh, you'll find large ranches in that part of the county and they're 20 or 30 square miles. Although more than 100,000 folks call Billings their home on the range, locals still think of it as a small town and don't see much reason to lock their doors at night. We believe that it's really nice to live in a community where if you have a flat tire, someone will pull over and change it for you. They still do that here. Born and raised in this kindly community, 69-year-old Norm Lighton and 44-year-old Patty Hubert fit right in. They may not live in the best part of Billings, but Patty's sister, Beth McCoy, thinks of their 28th Street rental as cozy. I think that's where they were comfortable. You know, it was this, that was their, their place. When these two lonely hearts meet more than a decade earlier, Beth knows right away it's a match made in heaven. Patty was epileptic. She never had a driver's license, so she took cabs all the time. 
taxi cabs. And he was a cab driver, and that's how they met. Now retired, a series of strokes has forced Norm from the wheel of his cab into a wheelchair. But Patty's still on the go, keeping active by walking. She walked a couple blocks to the local laundromat at least once a day to buy snacks. She got to be pretty good friends with a gal that worked there and also the lady that owned it. And Beth is glad they look out for her sister's daily visits between 11 and noon. So one fall day, when Patty's a no-show, the laundromat ladies worry she might have wound up in a mess of trouble. Captain Gene Spidell is a 33-year veteran of the Billings Fire Department. He follows a fine family tradition started by his daddy before him. My father was a firefighter for 21 years, and I have a son that just become a firefighter, and he's been on for two years, and he's working towards being a paramedic also. This second-generation first responder knows all too well. Fire strikes without warning. So like a cowboy who sleeps with his boots on, he's up and at him at 6 a.m. on September 22, 2006. A 911 call sends Spidell and his squad hightailing it to an apartment complex on 28th Street, knowing there's no time to lose. Any time like that in early morning hours, on any type of structure fire, you're always concerned that you're going to find people inside the building. I guess you could call it a fear that a fireman has. Spidell quickly spots the problem in the apartment of Norm Lighton and Patty Hubert. We could look into the window and we could see the smoke heavy in that apartment, and I was really concerned that they were still in there. When Spidell and his squad race inside, the fire is out, but the damage is done. It's a scene branded into the captain's memory. I come into the building, and the smoke was about, oh, chest high. It seemed like everything was smoldering. Everything was charred, melted. And as he goes from room to room, he has a feeling this isn't going to end well. And as I was walking in here, TV was on a religious channel, and it was saying, you're going to burn in hell. And I just put a shrivel up my spine. But those chilling words are just the beginning. And about that moment, my firefighter says, there's a body. He says, I think it's a homicide. Captain Spidell's heart is pounding. I looked around him, and I could see the person laying there. And I could see his hands were duct taped or strapped. Captain Spidell is pretty sure the charred body with a pillow over its bloody face is Norm Lighton's. Then, only a foot away on the floor, he's horrified to see Patty Hubert's remains, bound, blistered, and gagged with a towel. Someone clearly had it in for the couple. Looks like Patty was suffocated and Norm was badly beaten. They were the type of people that you knew that weren't going to hurt anybody. And to see him die that way, it's not fair. Been on a lot of fires throughout my career, but nothing like this. One thing Spidell has come across before is the smell of fire accelerant in the air. To his well-tuned nose, the couple's apartment reeks of arson. I would say whoever murdered him was trying to cover up their evidence by burning it down. There's nothing left for Spidell to do but call his partners in crime fighting. 
the Billings Police Department. We needed to get him in there as fast as possible before we lost any more of the evidence. Billings Police Detective Blake Richardson is the man who takes the call. And he's got a hunch it's going to be a tough case, just the kind that keeps him on the job. Detective work, you always have something new, something different every day. You don't get into a stagnant routine. After 20 years on the force, this isn't Richardson's first rodeo. But he's never encountered anything like the scene that awaits him at Norman Patty's place. Somebody had rifled through the apartment. Drawers were open, contents were spilled out. And from the condition of the bodies, Detective Richardson agrees with Spidell that the fire is simply a cover-up. But he doesn't see any sign of forced entry or a struggle, which could mean the killer was someone the couple knew. Or someone who knew their habits and caught them off guard. We don't know how he got into the apartment or how he surprised these people. Did he surprise them outside or was he in the apartment and surprised them inside? But based on the mess in the apartment, Richardson does have a theory about the killer's motive. It looked like someone went through their apartment looking for something. That's what my gut feeling was that these people had something in there that somebody else wanted. But what could this mild-mannered couple have that could spark such a violent crime? When investigators track down Patty's sister, Beth McCoy, to give her the terrible news, she's shocked and shattered. At first, it was just so surreal, you know? It was, wait a minute, you know? I, I just wanted to say, are you sure? When it comes to who did it, Patty's sister is stumped. She's pretty sure Norman Patty had no enemies. So for Billings police, corralling this killer may be harder than herding stray cats. We really didn't have a real clear-cut suspect at the very beginning. We don't know what to think. Who did this? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. 
Nothing is more personal or specific than our health and well-being. So it's really weird to me that most weight loss plans are one size fits all. Noom, however, is different. Noom understands that every single person is unique, so they build personal plans to meet individual needs. I appreciate that Noom is designed this way, that it meets each person where they're at, and that its approach is based in psychology and biology. And not only that, this approach is grounded in science. Noom has published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about it. Noom also wants you to enjoy food so it doesn't restrict what you can eat or shame you for treating yourself. I actually overheard a conversation about Noom at my local cafe the other day. Both diners were talking about all these foods they've discovered that they really love thanks to recipes they found on the Noom app. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Not much happens under the big sky in Billings, Montana. But when it does, gossip spreads faster than a prairie fire. So when firefighters discover Patty Hubert and Norm Lighton murdered in their own burnt-out apartment, the whole town is talking. The crimes were so ugly, so brutal, and a person who's capable of doing these horrible things is still out there. Chief criminal litigator Rod Sousa's a Billings native with a love of law and order. And he's not about to let a killer run roughshod over his town. He's as tough as a Montana bull when it comes to one thing, putting bad guys behind bars. The law is there to punish, the law is also there to protect. And we need to look out for everyone. And it feels really good when the system works. In the case of Norm and Patty's cruel killing, Sousa wants to make sure the system does them justice. So he teams up with Billings Police. We were having daily updates with our Billings Police Department detectives about what they were finding, where they were at with their evidence processing. But so far, Detective Blake Richardson's found very little evidence in the burned-out apartment. So he's looking elsewhere for the killer and his motive. And his best guess is that money's at the root of this evil. So we did a search of their uh, bank accounts, they were getting Social Security and the padding was getting a small, I believe, a VA check. When Richardson looks more closely at the couple's finances, he finds they put a little of each check in the bank, but kept most of it in cash at home. Yet detectives didn't find a single cent. We knew on an ongoing basis that they always had a ton of cash on hands. And the information that we had about that was that they did not trust banks. The information comes from Norm and Patty's neighbors. Seems the couple's stash is no secret, and neighbors estimate they've squirreled away almost $1,000. For that particular neighborhood, that is a lot of money. The individuals who live in that neighborhood on a regular basis are taking in $1,900 to $2,000 a month. Could be the killer's motive was to raid Norm and Patty's piggy bank. Police suspect he may have also stolen Norm's large-caliber handgun, a Smith & Wesson 44 Magnum. But why was he so cruel to the couple in the process? They were not just tied up. It was awful. They were tied up with telephone cord, 
duct tape and wire coat hangers that were broken and twisted around their wrists and ankles. The day after the fire, Norm and Patty's bodies are rolled into the coroner's lab. One look at the mangled remains, and the ME can imagine the horror of their final hours. Cause of death of Norman Lighton was a blood force injury to the head. Cause of death on Patty Hubert was suffocation where a rag had been stuffed down her throat. Based on the level of decomposition, the coroner determines the couple probably died the day before their bodies were found. Our theory of the case was that late into the evening on Thursday, he'd given Norm one final beating that would ultimately cause Norm's death. By that time, Patty had died. He further cleans out any items of value in their small apartment and sets the fire. Investigators send a few other items to the lab in hopes of identifying the killer. Among them is the blue towel used to gag Patty. And on the towel is something curious. On this towel, a dog hair was found. It's weird, uncommon, yes. One hair. Since the couple didn't have a dog, for now it's just a wild hair. And almost two days after the double murder, Detective Richardson has no solid leads and no choice but to keep knocking on doors. His persistence is about to pay off. We're talking to a woman who lives right next door to the apartment where these two people were found. She tells us that her boyfriend is missing. The boyfriend is 43-year-old Gerald Morris, and his live-in girlfriend Heidi Winters is worried sick about him. Seems the self-employed handyman left to do an odd job four days earlier, on September 19th, the day the couple was first attacked and never came home. Gerald Morris would work on bicycles and earn odd jobs, earn money, and that's how he would uh, do his day-to-day. The timing of Gerald's disappearance might just be a coincidence, but police can't overlook the fact he hasn't been seen since his neighbors were found. Sounds like investigators need to find Mr. Fix-It. These are people who live next door to each other. And so right out of the gate, he certainly becomes a person of interest and someone they need to talk to. For now, Richardson grills Heidi to see how well Gerald knew Norman Patty. She says he'd made some repairs to their unit. So maybe Morris had a bird's eye view of the couple's nest egg. When lawmen search Heidi and Gerald's apartment, they don't find the cash, but their instincts are clearly right on the money. We found various items that could have been used in the homicide. We found paint thinner, and we found duct tape, we found some wire cutters, and we found some wire clothes hangers. Trained as a fire investigator, Richardson knows paint thinner could have sparked the fire in the couple's apartment. And the other items match those used to subdue Norman Patty, too. And that's why it all goes into, he's missing, we got this stuff. It somewhat matches what we're finding in our dead people's apartment. So he is a suspect. But suspicious as it all seems, those are common household items. And Richardson needs more than circumstantial evidence to crack this case. Good thing the detective has a special skill in his holster that helps him catch criminals and 
capture Kodak moments. I like to shoot photos. On this particular case, I believe we have over 6,000 photos in the file that we've taken. Now, Richardson's sharp eye focuses on something in Gerald Morris's case file. While Morris doesn't have a history of violent crime, he was busted for forging checks back in 2001. At the moment, detectives can't seem to get Gerald in their sights. We try to find Gerald's friends, talk to them. He hasn't checked in. We have absolutely no idea where he is. Seems the signs point to Gerald Morris. And if detectives can just find him, they may have found their killer. One week after a double murder in Billings, Montana, crime scene tape still blocks off Patty Hubert and Norm Lighton's apartment, like a barbed wire fence. And Yellowstone County Commissioner John Ostland is worried about this news flying around like a stray bullet from a six-gun, terrifying the locals. The community was in shock. This was a crime of such a violent nature that uh, it left this, the citizens very uneasy. Detectives are doing their best to calm folks' fears and catch the killer. Suspect number one is Gerald Morris, the couple's next-door neighbor who went missing just before the bodies were found. And along with police, litigator Rod Sousa is in the hunt. Law enforcement was using a lot of resources to try and find him, and uh, certainly his family was looking for him as well. But despite the double-barreled search effort, Morris remains AWOL. Detectives haven't given up on finding him, but in case they're on the wrong track, they keep an eye out for other suspects. And there's one more tenant police haven't talked to. His name is Marvin Flanders, and he lives with his girlfriend down the row from Norman Patty. This one person did have a police record, and we had to find him, hunt him down, and talk to him. When police stop at Marvin's apartment, he isn't there, but his girlfriend is. She claims they were together in the apartment on the night of the fire at Norman Patty's. We can't elevate him to a suspect at this point. He has a, his girlfriend saying that she was with him the whole night. So he has an alibi. But police can't ignore the fact that Marvin up and left town the day after the double murder. When detectives track him down in Louisiana, he claims he headed south when work dried up in Montana. I talked to him on the telephone and explained to him we needed to either fly to Louisiana ourselves or have him come back up to Montana. We would pay his plane ticket, but we needed to talk to him in person about this case. So Big Sky Police team up with lawmen in the Big Easy and bring Flanders back for a deposition. He finally tells investigators his side of the story. He had come up here to try and buy older model American cars that he could refurbish and return them back to Louisiana. He basically ran out of money and had to take the bus back. A check of Marvin's travel receipts confirms that while he did leave town just after the homicides, he has a solid alibi for the night they occurred. Yeah, he said the same thing that his girlfriend told us. He said he was in the apartment with his girlfriend at the time. With the last of the tenants cleared, police have no choice but to broaden their search. 
So Richardson stops at a house just 50 feet in front of the apartment building on the same lot. We interviewed a gentleman named Richard Covington. He did not any involvement and told us that he did not see or hear anything. His family backed him up on that story. Detectives do collect Covington's DNA, which he gives voluntarily. But it seems this lead, like all the others, is just another bum steer. So police turn back to suspect number one, Gerald Morris, Norman Patty's next-door neighbor. No one has seen him for two weeks, since just before the couple was killed. I thought this is very bizarre, very strange. It just didn't seem right. But Richardson's about to get a call from the Yellowstone County Sheriff's Office. That's stranger still. A highway maintenance worker was mowing the weeds down on a highway about seven miles south of Billings here. And he came across a body in the weeds. An unusual find for sure. But police have no idea just how unusual yet. So Billings brings in the big guns. At the Yellowstone County Sheriff's Office, Sergeant Sam Bofto is a modern-day version of an Old West lawman. Fair, determined, and proud to be one of the county's finest. I think one of the best things about it is how most kids light up when they hear you're a cop. They like to hear that. But a dead body sitting on a highway embankment is anything but child's play. So when Sergeant Bofto is called to highway marker 6.7 on the afternoon of October 4th, he wastes no time. When I arrived on the scene, I was able to see a body oh, about 25 feet down from the guardrail, laying still. Uh, there wasn't uh, any visible evidence around that could explain how it got here. But maybe the biggest surprise is the name on the driver's license in the man's pocket. We pulled out the driver's license and it, it identified him as Gerald Morris. We knew Gerald was someone that the Billings Police Department wanted to talk to in regards to the two bodies and the homicides on South 28th Street a couple weeks prior to this. It's quite a stumper. Gerald Morris, the very man wanted for questioning in the double homicide, now turns up dead himself. You start running scenarios through your head, what happened to this person? I don't want to jump to any conclusions at that point because I didn't know what to think. And when the county detective calls his city counterpart with the news, Richardson can't believe his ears. You're frustrated because Gerald Morris is now gone. He now is deceased, okay? Who didn't Gerald Morris, who did in this couple? I don't know if I thought about just one murderer, but I knew that all this was linked together. So the detectives immediately team up, and their first topic of conversation is how Gerald Morris died. Gerald had one big bullet wound in the back that came out his arm and also had some shrapnel in his neck. An autopsy the next day confirms detectives' guess about Gerald Morris's final moments. What the pathologist determined was that Gerald died from a gunshot wound from a large caliber weapon. Sounds like the gun taken from Norman Patty's apartment. And not only that, the ME suspects Gerald was killed on the same day they were viciously assaulted. Sure looks like detectives have figured out how these cases may be linked. 
It's heartbreaking news for Gerald's sister, Robin Hatfield, who never gave up hope of finding her brother alive. You're just relieved that it's over, but you're mortified that somebody has done this to him. With Morris's death, investigators now have three bodies, no leads, and a killer on the loose. At this point, I don't know what to expect on something like this. And there's more trouble lurking right around the corner. Autumn days are usually cool in Billings, Montana. But in the fall of 2006, it's three unsolved murders that are chilling residents to the bone. Just two weeks after Norm Lighton and Patty Hubert are killed, their neighbor, Gerald Morris, is found dead. Everyone in town is horrified, including Patty's sister. It's just like, okay, we have two. First, we, we, you know, we start with two. Now we have another one. What's going on? Police are asking the same question and not finding a lot of answers. Norm and Patty's next-door neighbor, Gerald, was the prime suspect in the couple's murder. But now detectives need to figure out if he died at the hands of the same killer as they suspect. All three victims live right next door to each other. That just doesn't happen by coincidence. But as fall turns to winter, there are no new clues. Over the next few months, the case goes as quiet as a baseball diamond in winter. Since detectives are striking out, Sergeant Bofto uses his free time to go to bat for some other folks who need his help. The little leaguers he coaches. I love coaching baseball. It's where I can be a positive influence on some kid's life. And it just makes you feel like you're making a difference. And that's, I want to make a difference. But all winter, despite detectives' best efforts to make a difference in the murder cases, they can't get off home plate. Then, in early spring, a fly ball sails into the Billings Police Department, six months after Norm, Patty, and Gerald are killed. It's a 911 call. A woman's been attacked in a parking garage, just a stone's throw from the victim's apartment complex. It was two blocks, two and a half blocks away from where Norm and Patty were killed. Badly injured, Jen Barlow is rushed to the hospital, where she tells police that when she left the bank and entered the garage, she was attacked by a masked man who stole her purse. During the attack, she was slashed by a very large knife and cut through a leather coat, went all the way through the skin. You could see where she was slashed to the bone. Detective Richardson and his trusty partner, Sergeant Bofto, just have a hunch about this crime. Maybe the bag-stealing bandit had something to do with the three murders. Based upon the crimes that we saw and the proximity of the crimes together and the sheer brutalness of these crimes, I thought they would be connected. I thought the same person committed these crimes. With little to go on, police are coming up dry. But it seems something's brewing at a neighborhood pub, just blocks from the bank and garage. The night of the slashing, a diner finds a mighty strange item in the men's room, a purse strap dangling from the drop ceiling. The police were called to come pick up the purse. The 
purse turned out to be the victim's purse of the robbery. Inside Jen Barlow's purse, her ID, a large knife, and a mask made from pantyhose. As litigator Rod Sousa sends the items for DNA testing, he's especially interested in whether the mask hides a clue. Anything that someone wears on their face or head is going to be what I would call DNA rich. But even before the results come in, police add one more pushpin to their map of the crime scenes. The pub is within spitting distance of the apartment house where Norm, Patty, and Gerald lived. You walk three blocks to the north. You're at the parking garage. You walk another block and a half to the north. You're at the area right where the pantyhose and other items were recovered from the bar restaurant. To Sergeant Bofto, the connections are adding up faster than new calves in springtime. And better yet, he soon rounds up a suspect in the stabbing. When the DNA profile comes back on the mask, it matches a man whose DNA they collected right after Norm and Patty's murder. 44-year-old Richard Covington. Mr. Covington had a previous conviction for robbing a woman at knife point in a store in one of our malls in the early 80s. He was pretty well known to always carry a massive knife on his person. But just because Covington robbed two women at knife point doesn't mean he committed the murders. But he is worth another visit, especially since his house is so close to the victim's apartment. He was the front house they were in the row of small apartments right behind that. They're on the same lot. Police interviewed Covington at home once before, after the couple's bodies were found dead and burned. We asked him where he was at the time of the fire. Rick flat out told us he was sleeping. He didn't know anything about the fire until his son woke him up and told him about it. Maybe Rick's 11-year-old son can tell police something more about the double murder back in September. And they have some questions for Rick about the robbery. So police ask the whole crew to the station for questioning. We want to find out what they know about this whole thing. Richardson puts Rick in one room and his family in another. And that hits a raw nerve for Rick. He became very angry towards us, so much so that he was yelling at us and calling us a whole bunch of vulgar names. And from then on, that was the end of his cooperation. Since Rick's family doesn't have any new information, detectives let them go. But Rick seems hotter than a $2 pistol, so police arrest him for the robbery and ask him some more questions. He admitted everything in the robbery. After he admitted this, I said, Rick, let's talk about Norman Patty. Let's talk about Gerald. And he looked at me in the eye and he says, we're not talking about that right now. So even though detectives are far from pinning Covington to the three murders, at least they have him roped and tied to one crime and safe in custody, in case their instincts are right. My gut instinct is telling me he's involved. But we have nothing actually to point to him it may just be a wild hunch, or maybe detectives have their man. 
But unless they catch Covington with a smoking gun, they're only shooting blanks. Six months after three murders rock Billings, Montana, all eyes are on suspect Rick Covington. Detectives have already arrested him for robbing a woman at knife point. And now they're determined to prove he murdered his neighbors, Patty Hubert, Norm Lighton, and Gerald Morris. I knew in the back of my mind he did this. Now, the problem is proving it. But while detectives suspect Covington killed Patty, Norm, and Gerald, they still aren't sure why. And they don't have enough evidence to pull the trigger. We have nothing actually to point to him. My gut feeling, he's involved in this, but gut feelings won't help us in court. But DNA evidence will, and with Covington in jail, investigators return to his house with a search warrant. For Detective Richardson, this is the moment he's been waiting for. The chance to find some evidence to trap this varmint. And it seems like Covington's house is a happy hunting ground. During that search, we found journals, day planners, day books, and a loose-leaf binder that says, Dad's Battle Plans. If the journals seem promising, they're only the start. As soon as Richardson sees Sweet Pea, the family dog, something else clicks into place. She triggers a memory of the towel used to gag Patty Hubert. When the Montana State Crime Lab did their trace on the towel that was inside Patty's mouth, they found a single dog hair on it. This dog hair was tan in color. It's a common color for dog hair, but it is the same shade as Sweet Pea. So detectives collect some hair of the dog and send it to a lab specializing in animal DNA. Three months later, the detectives retrieve some good news. Sweet Pea's hair matches the doggy DNA on the gag. So Sweet Pea ties Covington to the killings of Norm and Patty. And no one is happier than Patty Hubert's sister. But something still haunts her. It was like a light at the end of the tunnel. But I think it was just, there were a lot of questions still. The biggest one was why. Police suspect the reason Covington tortured and killed Norm and Patty in cold blood was to get the cold cash they kept at home. And when lawmen leafed through a journal found in Covington's house, they hit pay dirt. He did make an entry on September 22nd, 2006. Written below that was, Dad stole a lot of money. In looking at Mr. Covington's journals, he always referred to himself as Dad. The money Covington stole was about a thousand bucks that the couple was saving for a widescreen TV. I'll never, never understand how somebody could, could do what he did for any amount of money. And how somebody could be so brutal. Detectives are determined to make Covington pay for his crimes. All of them. And they won't rest until they connect him to one last murder, the death of Gerald Morris. But there's a very big roadblock in their way. The one thing that was difficult was that Gerald's body was found six miles out of town, and Rick Covington did not have a vehicle. So putting Covington at the scene of Gerald Morris's killing on the side of a highway raises a steep speed bump. 
how do you get Gerald Morris out to the county, seven miles outside the city limits? An accomplice that had access to a vehicle. When police check Covington's phone records, a single number rings a bell. Seems Rick and a friend were burning up the phone lines around the time of the murders. So Sergeant Bofto dials in. I called this number and I asked who I was speaking with and he said he was a friend of Rick Covington's. The friend's name is Bob Kanger and he lives on a ranch over 250 miles from Billings. He tells Sergeant Bofto that he lent his truck to Covington on September 18th, the day Norm and Patty were attacked and the same day the coroner believes Gerald Morris was killed. Seems Covington paid him for the truck, and Kanger needed the money, so he didn't ask why. Bingo. That's what I needed. Another piece of the puzzle. And with that information, I immediately called Blake, and I said, I think I got the vehicle that took Gerald to his death. When detectives send the truck to the crime lab, one thing jumps out quicker than a jackrabbit. The truck's gray fabric seats. There were gray fibers found on Gerald Morris's pants. Turns out, they match. Which seems to put Rick Covington in the driver's seat on the day Gerald was killed. The man that owned the truck did have an alibi for when Gerald Morris was killed. And we could verify that through his co-workers and his work records. It's coming together. You can never have enough evidence, but it's coming together. I need more. And I kept going. In the coming months, police track evidence like bloodhounds on a scent. They tie the gun that killed Gerald Morris to Covington. Seems he stole it from Norman Patty's apartment the night he attacked them. But why did Rick gun down the couple's gentle next-door neighbor? Sergeant Bofta wonders if Gerald was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I believe that Gerald saw Rick coming and going from Norman Patty's apartment and he needed to get rid of Gerald. So Covington is finally off the wanted posters and inside a cell for all three murders. Almost two years after the killings, Rick Covington is found guilty and sentenced to four life terms without possibility of parole. There was real satisfaction that hopefully there would be some finality and some closure. Norm, Patty, Gerald, they all deserved to have the most thorough investigation possible to bring their killer to justice. These were three basic nobodies. They didn't matter to anybody but their families, but they mattered to the county attorneys and the sheriffs and the police department. And we knew that, and that helped a lot. Rick Covington never confesses to any of the murders. But based on the evidence, this is how investigators believe it all played out. Starting on Monday, September 18th, 2006. For whatever reason, Rick Covington saw his opportunity that day. And that's the day that he kidnapped Norman and Patty inside their apartment. Once Covington ties up the couple, he tears the place apart in search of their cash. When he finds it, he leaves them bound and gagged, but still alive. But on the way out, Gerald Morris spots him and Covington abducts his one witness and works a plan to get rid of him for good. So the next day he is getting the pickup 
getting Gerald, taking him out on the highway, shooting Gerald with Norman's pistol. With the only witness out of the way, Covington returns to Norman Patty's apartment five days later. By now, the couple is good and dead, and Covington sets fire to their apartment to cover his tracks. These people suffered a great deal. They were bound and gagged for days at a time. This is one of the worst crimes I've ever seen. Now, Norm and Patty are at peace, lying side by side. I believe Norm and Patty are together. They needed each other, and I think they're back together now. As for the citizens of Billings, with Rick Covington off the streets, they can once again enjoy the big skies of Montana without fear. I think that uh, our citizens feel safe again and secure, and they should. We live in, in a community where we look out for each other, and I believe that we are safe here. And this is a rare occurrence and hopefully will never happen again. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dan and Nancy reside in the peaceful suburbs just outside of Portland, where they are living out their golden years. Their marriage spans over two decades and is seen as a pillar of the community. But when Dan is found dead in his classroom, Nancy finds herself at the center of a murder case that could be ripped from the pages of her novels. Binge all episodes of Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, ad-free right now on Wondery+. Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.